Thank you, Pastor. So he called me and told me to wear these pants today, and now I know why. I didn't understand at first. I'm like, why do you want me to wear those? But uh, now I figured it out. I appreciate that, Pastor, for the heads up. Uh, I didn't bring my brown shoes. I got my tight pants on. How you guys doing? Don't you all travel with coffee in your bag? I mean, isn't that like normal? I got coffee in my bag out in the car. I'm a, I'm a coffee dealer. You want to see my coffee? That's how it works. It's good to be with you guys again. Uh, if you haven't heard or not familiar with us, I'm the president and founder of Metanoia Missions International. We lived, in 15, we lived for 15 years in Nicaragua serving the people there. We now have 17 people on staff in Nicaragua on the ground. We live in the States but go back and forth. In fact, my wife's there right now this week down there. The coffee we're talking about, we help feed kids in Nicaragua. We had feeding programs set up. And so right now we feed about 18,500 kids a week. And so that helps offset that. We do all kinds of stuff. We have medical crusades. We build houses for the poor. We have pastor's conferences. We do a little bit of everything, but the coffee specifically helps feed the children. So if you're buying coffee, one bag basically feeds 10 kids. So it goes for a good cause, and you'll enjoy the coffee, and you might be jacked up after you drive Big Boss's daddy. It's good stuff. I won't promote it anymore because I didn't bring it with me. But I do have Big Boss out there. But I'm not here for that. I'm here to preach today. I think that's why you told me to come, right? Not sing. Can we do this? How many people do we have visiting today? How many guests? So we're all family. We have one guest. We have one guest. Still family. So we're going to do this. I'm going to break you out of your comfort zone. I'm going to do something that you're not going to like. But I want you to take your neighbor's hand. You guys do that. We can pretend like you like each other. And we're going to pray for those on the right and left. If you're not comfortable holding hands, it's perfectly fine. I get it. Unless she's cute and you really want to hold her hand. Just, that's good. Can we pray for each other? Can we believe that God's going to speak through us? You might not know what the person next to you is going through, but the Holy Spirit does. So can we do that? I don't want to hear you guys praying as well. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the opportunity to be here as a body of Christ. Lord, we're not here by habit. We're not here by routine. But we believe you brought us here today with a divine purpose. Lord, I ask that you speak to each one of us, that those on the right and left of us will feel your power, feel your presence. Lord, no matter what they're going through, no matter what the challenges are in their life, that you'll give them wisdom they need to overcome. Lord, you'll show them which doors to knock on and which doors to walk through. Lord, for those that are struggling today with clarity, that need direction, we release direction over them. We release divine purpose over them. Lord, if they won't be wishy-washy in their faith, they won't be double-minded in their decision-making, but they're going to make a concrete decision because you're speaking to them. You're showing them exactly what to do. So, Lord, give them the strength to make that decision and give them the strength to carry on after they make that decision, knowing that you're leading them, knowing that you're directing. Lord, we lift those up to you today that are struggling in their health. We ask that you touch them in mind and body, that you bring a healing to them, that your power will be manifested in their lives today. Lord, we speak life and blessings. Lord, we speak favor. We release favor over each person that's here today. And, Lord, we ask that you open our minds and our hearts to receive from you that the word of God will go forth and not return void. Lord, there will be seeds planted in our lives that will grow to fruition. We commit the rest of this service into your hands in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says, amen. God bless you guys. I want to talk to you this morning about devotion. We want to call it radical devotion. We want to call it relentless devotion. However you want it, whatever adjective you want to use. But put it before devotion. Devotion isn't something that we talk about too much. It's not something that our society recognizes too much. We don't see, we pretty much live in a devotionless society if you really begin to break it down. But it's interesting that we live in a society like that that doesn't really recognize devotion. We don't see people dedicated and, and committed to things, to people, to organizations, to churches. There's very little devotion. But the interesting point is who or what we're devoted to determines our direction and our destiny in our lives. And if you don't remember anything else this morning, I want you to remember that. Our devotion determines our direction and our destiny. So who or what we're devoted to is going to affect the decisions that we make. We as Christians, we say we're devoted to Jesus Christ, and if our devotion is off kilter a little bit, there's things that happen in our lives, and because our devotion is not exactly where it should be, it might affect our attitude, it might affect our behavior. And so that ultimately begins to affect the people around us. 
Maybe our devotion's off so we get hurts in our hearts. Well, people that are hurt begin to hurt other people. Our devotion's off so instead of going in the right door that God had, that he opened up, because our devotion's not 100% there, we go through the wrong door and we have to go through the consequences because there's always consequences to every decision. And unfortunately as it is, there's many people that are devoted to Christ but make some wrong decisions that lose that devotion and they ultimately forfeit their opportunity to go to heaven and spend eternity with Jesus. So you can see in our lives our devotion is very important. Who and what we're devoted to will determine our direction and our destiny. If you guys have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Luke. If not, we're going to look here at the screen. Luke chapter 9. We're going to be reading from the New King James Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 25 says, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is to a man if he gains the whole world and he himself destroyed or lost? I want you to think of this passage of Scripture. Jesus is sitting talking with the disciples, but in other times we know from passages of Scripture, from reading the Gospel, that Jesus would walk from town to town and he'd begin to talk to people and he'd fellowship with people. And if we are a student of the Word, we know that he says to people, hey, why don't you follow me? And so I want us in our mind to put it in present day. We're not walking around with our, our Birkenstocks on, with our flowing robes like they wore but I want us to put, wait, some people do have Birkenstocks on, never mind. We'll reverse that one. But I want you to think of it in present day. So let's just hypothetically pretend that I'm Jesus for a moment. And I'm going to come to these guys over here, and we're just going to stick with guys since for some reason they're focusing on guys. They ask for guys' numbers today. Did you get that? What's up with that? The ladies aren't cool enough to be part of this group? Did you see that? Chauvinistic, man. So Jesus comes and says, hey, will you follow me? So he follows me. So he begins to follow me, so we're talking and fellowshipping and stuff, and we're walking along and having a good time, and I'm teaching because I'm the rabbi, I'm Jesus, I'm the teacher, I'm teaching. So he's catching this knowledge and stuff. So I come to this guy, and this guy's never saw me before, but he knows Peter behind me, and he's like, well, if Peter's following him, Peter's a cool dude. I'm going to follow him too. Hey, you want to follow us? So he decides to jump in, so who do you want to be? Judas? I'm just kidding. <laughs> he actually said, Sure. <laughs> You know how Judas died, right? All right. So he keeps, we're walking along. Jesus comes to this another gentleman and says, hey, you want to follow us? So he says, sure. So we got three guys following us, and we're talking. I'm teaching about the things of life and giving these parables. And these guys are like, dude, that's cool. That's deep. So we keep walking. I find another guy. Que habla español. Que bueno. Quiere ir con nosotros. Vámonos. Entonces, yeah, ahora tenemos otra persona caminando con nosotros, andando con nosotros. You guys understand, right? All right, good. So we got another guy that's joining us. He's walking with his fellowship. And, and then, you know, Jesus is like, there's this really cool young guy. I don't want him to come. He just got back from Boy Scouts because I know everything. Got back from Boy Scouts camp because Jesus knows all. So he says, you want to follow us? All of a sudden, he's got these guys following him. And all he says to him, what does he say? Hey, you want to follow me? That's all he did. So he follows him, and they come up and... So he's got this follower. And this is many of our lives as Christians. We come to Jesus. Jesus comes to us and then we come to him because like, man, I'm a sinner. I need to repent of my ways. I need to get things right. So we're now believers. We're walking in this life. We're coming through. We're devoted because we're talking about devotion today. And we're coming down, but this is how our life looks. We got this guy here, good-looking guy, goes off to college. He was born in a Christian home. He's raised in a Christian home, devoted. He used to dance in the men's ballerina club, the Christian ballerina club, and he served Jesus with his prophetic dancing and flags and all that stuff. He's devoted. But there's this really, really, really cute cheerleader at college. And this cheerleader is a sorority member that doesn't like Jesus or God at all. She, she's agnostic. But he, she's really cute, if you get my drift. And so he's like, man, I used to dance. I used to do a lot of stuff. She's really hot. I want to hang out with her. And even though he's a devoted Christian, she wants to hang out on Sundays and go out to the picnic and the waterfalls and to Lake Erie and Sandusky to see Tommy Boy and all this stuff. And so instead of being devoted to God, all of a sudden he begins to be devoted to this young lady. 
And see, his devotion begins to change. Because his devotion changed, his direction begins to change. Instead of growing closer to God, he's now growing closer to her. And because he's growing closer to her, he really doesn't want to do anything with God anymore. Sorry, man. I'll pray for your soul. So we got another guy. And now these things are just fake. You know, I'm making them up. He loves to smoke pot because pot's legal now. And he's like, you know, it's almost legal in my state. I'm praying that it gets legalized, but it's not yet. So, you know, he likes to rule a couple here and there. I'm saying this is just hypothetical. Okay, good. And so he's devoted to God. He loves God. But, you know, somebody introduced him. He's got problems with his back. His back's really hurting and stuff. And so somebody said, dude, just smoke some weed, man. It'll take care of you. You won't feel the pain anymore. It helps. The MMA fighters, they all do it. All the professional football players, they smoke to recover. You guys didn't know all that, did you? Just recover after their, ga- their games and stuff. So he's like, all right, man, I'm going to start smoking some. So it helps relieve his back pain. He's doing. But all of a sudden, it's not just here and there for really back pain. All of a sudden, it's an everyday thing where he gets up and he's got a token on the way to work and he goes out to his truck at the break. And uh, I am making this all up. Okay. <laughs> Your mom isn't watching, is she? Okay. And so he goes out to break. He has another one. He goes home on the way. He smokes at home before he goes to bed. Next thing you know, he's smoking three dime bags a day. And he's not devoted to God anymore. He's devoted to his addiction. You see, who or what we're devoted to determines the direction we go in life. And unfortunately, his devotion changes. Got another guy, Pastor Briss, preaching this message. He's really hammering these different things, and it really offends my friend here. He's like, man, he's such a jerk. He's always pointing stuff out in my life. I don't know what he's looking at my Facebook or what. He knows what's going on. And he gets angry and mad. He's just bitter towards the church. He's bitter towards the pastor. He's coming. He's devoted. But he's like, man, I'm tired of these Christians. I'm tired of I'm getting out of here. And his devotion changes. What does he look like he'd be involved with? Gang banging. No, I don't know. So, hypothetically, remember making these things up. His wife gets sick with cancer. He's standing and praying. The church is praying, declaring the word of God, speaking the word of God. By her bed in the hospital, continues to declare, proclaim, stand on God's promises, but she dies. So he's left as a widower to raise the kids. He blames God for taking his kid's mom, his wife. Becomes bitter, his heart turns away from God because of the circumstance, because of the situation. And so he begins to walk away from God because his devotion changed because he's angry at God. How you doing? Good. You sure? Yeah. All right. So his parents bring him to church. He goes to church, grows up in the church. Let's pretend you went to Royal Rangers. You probably don't know what that is, but he went to Royal Rangers. And st- Anybody know what Royal Rangers are? All right. He goes to Royal Rangers instead of Boy Scouts. His parents keep getting into fights, keeps getting more fights. Dad's drinking, beats mom. They get a divorce. He blames God. He's like, why am I going to go to this church thing? You guys go to church. You guys did this, and look what happened to your, our family, and he blames God for everything that happened. And he says, man, I don't want this church. If I don't want God, I'm not going to be devoted to this anymore. And so he decides, you know what? I'm not going to be devoted to God. I'm going to go do my own thing. And unfortunate as that seems, thank you guys for participating. And as unfortunate as that seems, that's the reality for many people in our lives. They say that one in ten people that start serving Jesus Christ will, enter, will finish the race serving Jesus. Ten percent of people that make a commitment to God will actually finish their lives serving God. And that's the reality of what we just saw is the fact that people change their devotion, their devotion changes, and because their devotion changes, their direction begins to change, and ultimately because their direction changed, their destiny has just changed. What God wanted to give good, abundant life, so you'd spend eternity with heaven, these things have happened in life, and they've allowed us to change our hearts, to change our devotion, and next thing you know, we're not devoted to God. So let's look at this passage of Scripture. Let's begin to break this down this morning. Let's go back to the verse. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 says this. He said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me daily. Point number one, if you're taking notes, is this. Devotion, whether good or bad, always begins with a desire. Always. We're not going to be devoted to God if we don't have this desire. Jesus sits down with the disciples in this passage of Scripture, and he's talking, and he doesn't coerce them to fall. He doesn't manipulate them to fall. What does he say? Hey, if you desire, come follow me. 
And that's what he says to us as well. If you desire, come follow me. We cannot be devoted if we have no desire. It just won't happen. Perfect illustration. Coming in end of 2018, coming into 2019, everybody's got their planner out. Everybody says, I'm going to start a journal this year. I'm going to make plans this year and I'm going to write goals this year and we got this new leaf that's turned over this new year and everybody starts the same we're going to stick with our goals and one of our goals is we want to get in shape we want to lose weight we're going to start working out so the gyms love it January February everybody's signing up for gym membership the gyms are going crazy all the owners are going crazy all the franchisers are going nuts because they know this is the time this is where we're going to make our money. So we get all these people that pour into the gym. And for people like us that lift all year round, we hate that time of year because all the equipment's being used. The squat rack, you got people doing pull-ups in a squat rack. I'm like, what are you doing? I hope that weight falls on you. I didn't say. And so this is what happens. Two, three, four, five weeks go, and all of a sudden the gym's empty again. It's just the normal people that are there the rest of the year. What happened? These people have a desire to lose weight. They have a desire to get in shape. They have a desire to take care of themselves. But when you get into the gym and start working out and you wake up the next day and you can't move and you hurt and you're sweating and you feel gross and you just feel disgusting and you're like, oh, why do I do this? I can't sit down. I can't move. My body hurts. You don't have a desire to put yourself through that. You have a desire for the results but not a desire to get in shape. And because there's no true desire to be in there putting yourself through this pain day after day, week after week, there's no dedication, there's no devotion to it. And since there's no desire to be truly getting yourself sore every day and sweating, there's no devotion. Or we look at our kids, I have a 19-year-old, I have a 17-year-old, I have a 14-year-old. My 19-year-old right now is working at Walmart. He's going to go to ministry school in the fall, so he's working at Walmart because they'll transfer him to go to min- or transfer his job. When he goes to ministry school, my 17-year-old, he plays Fortnite for a living. That's basically what... <laughs> I'm not sure if you guys have kids like that, but he does odd jobs. He goes mows grass. He goes, does gardening or whatever. People have him contracts. He doesn't have a set job, but that's what he does three or four days a week now. He's mowing grass and stuff. But my son that works at Walmart, when I talk to him, he comes home frustrated all the time because so-and-so quit. Another kid quit. Two weeks later, another kid quit. I'm like, what are they, where are they going to go work? Well, one of them just quit. He's going to go find another job. What about the other one? Oh, they're going to go work at Target. What about the other one? They're going to work at Chick-fil-A. What about the other one? Oh, they're going to go work at Wendy's. I'm like, what in the world? But then I started thinking about it. These kids just want some cash in their pocket. They don't have a desire to work at Walmart. They don't have a desire to work at Chick-fil-A. They don't have a desire, a true desire, to be working at Wendy's. They just want money in their pocket. And because there's no desire, anytime there's a discrepancy, anytime the manager gets mad at it, anytime something goes on that they don't like, they bolt. Because there's absolutely no devotion to the employer. There's no devotion to the fellow employees because there's no desire. We take it one step forward, we look in our society. There's no devotion to marriage. That's why in, in Christianity, almost 50% of marriages or over 50% of marriages end in divorce because, you know what, there was this desire originally to be with your spouse. You always wanted to spend time together. You went shopping together. You went to grocery stores. Painful it is for us guys to do these things. We did them because there was a desire to be with our spouse. But that desire stops mm, not as much there anymore. We might not have huge conflicts, but that desire is not there, so we don't stay as devoted, and the next thing you know, we end up separating. We cannot be devoted to something unless there is a desire. So we truly have a desire to be with Jesus Christ. I think many of us come to Jesus Christ not because of a desire of us wanting to know him more, not to have an intimate relationship with him. Maybe it's just because you don't want to go to hell. You guys remember the movie, Thief in the Night? Anybody been around a long time in church? Thief in the Night, we used to have it at our church, Assemblies of God Church. We used to have it like, it seems in my mind, like every month, but it's probably like once or twice a year. And I would run to the altar at six, seven, eight years old every time because I didn't want to go to hell. That's the only thing. It put fear in me. I didn't have a desire to be with God. I didn't have a desire to know God. I didn't have a desire to have intimacy with God. No one was teaching me about that. They were scaring the hell out of me. And I'm like, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to suffer. So we run to the altar, but there's no desire. So how do we stay devoted if there's no desire? So the first step we need to recognize in our lives as we're walking out is, are, do we have a desire? Because if we want to follow Jesus Christ, if we want to be devoted, we have to have that desire. 
Let's go back to the passage of Scripture. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 says, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Number two is this devotion to Jesus involves denial. And if we were to look at the Greek, denial literally means to say no to something. But when we're saying no to something, that means we're saying yes to something else. So there's like this replacement. There's this exchange going on. We're going to say no to this thing. Jesus says deny. So we're saying no in order to follow him. And so that's the whole principle. It's self-denial. We're saying no to our fleshly desires. We're saying no to the things going on in our lives so we can say yes to Jesus and his plan and his purpose. But unfortunately in our lives, somehow in our society, this saying no, this denying our flesh, isn't too prevalent, even within churches. We don't want to say no. We want to say yes to everything. Because if we say, we're told to say no to something, right off the bat, what do we do? We say, oh, well, they're legalistic. Well, that's the law. That's under the covenant. And so we start throwing these words around, which really we're not really familiar with what the true meaning of the law and the covenant is, and we start saying, well, that's legalistic. And we start saying, well, that church is legalistic because they don't do this, they don't do that, they don't... And so as soon as we're told from the pulpit, you know, we probably shouldn't do this or shouldn't do that, we get this reaction like, oh, they want to control me. God's a God of love. He's merciful. That's not how God is. But if we're reading the passage of Scripture, what does it say? Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. It's a denial of ourselves, our desires, in order to have something better, which is Jesus Christ, a relationship with Jesus Christ. But what do we do in our societies? We say, okay, well, I got social media over here, so I like this, and we're going to add that to our life, and we've got our sports over here, and so we're going to add that to our life over here, and we've got this over here, so we've got family, we've got, we got work, we have all these different things. We've got a car, we're remodeling, and we're you know, stripping it down, putting a new motor in, so we're working on that. We have all these different things going on. We're saying yes, yes, yes to all these things, and we're like, oh, yeah, we're Christians too, so we're going to say yes to that, and we're just going to add it on top. And so it really doesn't have any different or weight of devotion, our relationship with God, our commitment to church. It's just another thing we've added to it because we don't want to say no to these things. But we see from the passage of Scripture right here, at some point we have to. person driven by success, they want to climb the corporate ladder, they're saying yes to the corporate ladder. They're saying yes to overtime. They're saying yes to six, seven work days a week, and they're saying no to their family, no to church, no to obligations that would be healthier for their home. A person that's struggling with a drug addiction says yes, yes, yes to this ad- addiction, makes everything happen to get it. They go steal things. They, they sell different things so they can get the money to buy because they're saying yes to this addiction. And over here, they're saying no to God. They're saying no to their family. They're saying no to all these other things in order to get another fix. And it goes on and on. It could be hobbies. It could be whatever. But so many times we say yes, yes, yes to things that have no relevance to us spiritually or in our eternal walk. But we say yes to all these things of the world. And so we just continually add and add and yes because we're not willing to deny the flesh and say no. And so what I, I have this illustration and this is what I think Christianity has become. I like to work out. I like to eat healthy. It's part of my lifestyle. It's part of what I do. And I want to get a little more cut because this is shredding season. This isn't bulking season. So you change your diet a little more if you guys are familiar with macros, how many macros you eat, how much protein, how much carbs, and all that. So you start cutting your carbs. But I like donuts. Can I get a witness? So we have this place in Virginia now where we live called Duck Donuts. And Duck Donuts is this place... I think it's sin just to look at it. You walk in, and it's like a conveyor belt. It's like, it's like Chipotle for donuts. And so they like have a donut list you can order from, or you like get to pick what you want. And they make it right there. Like You sit and wait. So you get this donut. like It's melting in your hand. Anybody want to go there with me? And so it's like, man, you can put bacon on top of your maple donut. You can put whatever you want. And you get so sick after eating one because it's so rich. I like donuts. And you guys raise your hand and said you're with me. So this is what Christianity is for like many of us. I like my donut. I want to have my donut. 
This is it. It's, I want to have my donut, all right? I, I've done all this, but I don't want to deny myself. Okay, I'm working out. I'm watching my diet, but I don't want to deny myself from this donut. And because I want to eat this donut, I don't want to say no to this donut. I want to say yes to this donut and everything. I'm going to do the option. I'm going to make it a healthy donut. And so I'm going to say, I'm not going to deny myself this donut, but to justify my reactions, I'm going to put lettuce on it, and now it's a healthy donut. And this is what we do in our Christian walk is we don't want to say no to the addiction. We don't want to say no to the lust. We don't want to say no to pornography. We don't want to say no to getting drunk. But because we know we probably shouldn't, we're going to do something to justify our reactions. Well, I only had three beers. Last week I had four. I only looked at pornography twice this week, not every day like last week. And so all of a sudden, we're like, we're not going to really deny. We're just going to cover it up with something else. And this is what our Christianity looks like. Everything's just mixed together. There's no denial. There's no devotion to Jesus Christ. We just got a little bit of devotion to everything. Now, the first service, we auctioned off this donut with lettuce to the highest bidder if your pastor would eat it. And this is no joke. We probably have it recorded. A hundred bucks. Somebody was willing to give Metanoia Missions a hundred bucks for your pastor to eat this. So we'll start the bidding at 25 today. Anybody want 25 for your pastor to eat? I got one. 50? Anybody going to 50? We got a hundred. We got 50 in the back. We went to a hundred first service. We got 50. Anybody want to beat 50? 75? 75? Come on. All right. We're going 50. 50 for your pastor to eat this. you got to eat both, though. Somebody's got to go back and get the person's skin. You, you can eat it later. You, actually, he's not allowed to eat. His wife won't let him because he, he has to say no to the donut. All right? It's, it's denial. Just pay the money. Yeah, just pay the man the money. So Jesus is talking about self-denial, not self-improvement. You know, it's, it's, and this is off the subject, but this, and I'm not criticizing anybody that does this, but this is the whole thing, like even with fasting now that we have, everybody invents their own fast now. I don't know if you guys do fasting as a church, corporate fast and stuff, but it's like, okay, and some of our leadership at church is doing this, I'm like, dude, you're not fasting, you're just eating a healthy life, living a healthy lifestyle. Well, I'm fasting, I'm like, no, you're not. You're not fasting, you're still eating everything, you just stopped you got rid of your Coke and your donut, but you still eat exactly the same. But it, we've changed it where we don't truly want to say no to something. We just kind of say yes, and we're just going to kind of justify and all mix it together. And I think when we look at many of our lives, unfortunately as it is, that's what we see. When people see us, they don't, wait, is he a Christian or not a Christian? Is she a Christian or not a Christian? Shouldn't something be different about our lives? And it's not about, okay, legalism. It's not about saying you know, we're these stuck up and closed off and not loving people. No, there should be a love that comes out of us that draws people to us because they're seeing the love of Jesus Christ. We shouldn't be contradicting our words with our actions. Everything should line up. There should be some type of congruency in our lives. And people say, man, that guy loves Jesus. Man, he loves people so well. And they're po- we're pointing them to Jesus because of our lives, the way we live, the way we talk, the way we treat people. But unfortunately, when we look at people around the world, many times there's nothing different. We look exactly like everyone else. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that we're not willing to say no to deny our flesh to the point where we're saying yes to Jesus and no to these things. We just kind of want it all to be happy, one ugly mess. You guys with me? You sure? I want to reiterate this point just a little more then because I'm not convinced. The Bible tells us if we look lustfully to a woman, we've committed adultery in our hearts. Do you know that 50% of men in the church are bound by pornography? So if we're saying no to ourselves, and yes, we're saying yes to Jesus Christ. We look at marriage, it's the same thing. I know that there's complications. I know that things happen in our lives, but the divorce rate within the church is pretty much the same as the divorce rate outside of the church. The Bible tells us that drunkenness will not enter the gates of heaven. I don't know what your pastor's stance is. Okay, you can go out and have a glass of wine. I'm not giving you permission, but I'm saying, okay, that's not going to send you to hell if you want to have a beer or a glass of wine. That's just, I don't know what your pastor, I'm not going to go do it in public, but if somebody wants to, that's up to them. It's not going to send you to hell. The Bible says drunkenness will not enter the gates of heaven. 
But it's interesting because I see church leaders, I travel and speak, and I, I meet all these people and meet different pastors, and you know, they're going out publicly and doing shots and posting it on Instagram and posting on social media. And I'm like, okay, there's a huge difference between going out and having shots at a bar than having a glass of wine with your spouse. And then people are saying, well, you know, I don't know, understand this, I don't understand that. Well, why are we even playing? Why are we opening the door to those things? Why don't we just deny ourselves this fleshly desire to be devoted to Jesus and to see what Jesus has for us instead? Why do we want to be so close to the fire, so close to the things of the world, but still try and stay saved? You know, it's interesting because the Bible tells us in 1 John, if we love God, we'll obey his commands and his commands will not be burdensome. The key here is if you love God. When we start saying that's legalistic, you're putting all these commands on, that's because you don't truly love God. Because when we love God and we're feeling his love, we're going to want to obey him. We're going to want to do what's right. We're going to want to deny our flesh in order to serve him to get what he has for us, to receive all that he has for us. So it's a decision we have to make. Our devotion determines what? Our direction and our destiny. Point number three. You guys are awfully quiet this morning. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 says, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Devotion to Jesus requires me to be deliberate. It's something we have to do deliberately. Deliberately taking up the cross. The text says if you desire, you're going to take up your cross. That's a deliberate action. Somebody's not going to come stick the cross on me. I have to pick up the cross, take it up. It's a deliberate action I'm going to do. And here's the interesting thing. We pick up the cross, we begin to walk. If I get here, I'm not going to set the cross down and just go back to do whatever I feel like doing. If we're deliberately taking up the cross to follow Jesus, that means we're putting it on our back and we're going to continue to walk it out until the end of our days. We're deliberately saying no to things in order to say yes to Jesus, and we're going to walk it out. And if you picked up your cross and begin to bear it, you begin to walk with it, you knew what your destiny was. You knew you were going to die. A cross is an instrument of death. And Jesus says, take up that cross as self-denial, and you're going to carry it through the rest of your life. Meaning his desire was us to serve him, to be with him, to have that intimacy with him each and every day of our lives. And when we die, we're going to go to heaven and enjoy him in fullness. So what does that look like for us? That means we deliberately make decisions that might be tough decisions. That means we deliberately cut off relationships that are hindering our relationship with God. That means we deliberately don't answer certain calls. We deliberately don't visit certain web pages. We deliberately watch the words that we say. We deliberately treat people really good, even if they don't deserve, in our eyes, to be treated really well. So we make these deliberate actions in order to honor God. We deliberately obey him, even when it's difficult. Even to get up and go to church, you know what? We have to deliberately set our alarm to get up to come to church. And I guarantee you there's people in here that don't want to come to church. But we deliberately do it, and then we get here. You guys are probably happier that you came and feel God's love and presence. You enjoyed worship and pastor's great preaching, and you're happy. But in the morning... Before, or sorry, the night before you go to bed, you have to deliberately set your alarm. What if we deliberately started setting our alarm 10 minutes earlier before our normal day just to spend an extra 10 minutes with God? How would our lives begin to change? And I'm not saying you need to schedule an extra hour. I'm not saying even 15 minutes. What if we just started with a 10-minute increment and say, you know what, as difficult as it is for me to get up in the morning and all the responsibilities, I'm gonna get up 10 minutes earlier deliberately to deny myself a little extra sleep but in order to say yes to Jesus. Because I guarantee you if we did that, Jesus would meet us in the morning. And at first you might not hear him because you'd be like, oh God, you're still trying to wake? Then you're gonna go buy Big Boss Coffee, and then we're not gonna have that complaint anymore because you're gonna be awake. But if we deliberately did that, I guarantee you your life would begin to change, you'd begin to see things from a different perspective. Several weeks ago I was preparing a message, Saturday night comes, ready for the message, Usually on Saturday night, I'll walk through it a couple times, and when I walk through it, it's usually when I start getting different illustrations and stuff, or I'll feel God's leading me a little different, even though it's all notes and stuff for there, that's when I really start getting the last stuff fine-tuned. I already know what God wants to do. So I was doing that. My wife's sitting. If you, I don't know if any of you guys have this situation in your house, but my dining room table is my office. So I've got different Bibles spread out. I've got my computer. I've got books everywhere. I've got notes everywhere. So that's my office. So I'm sitting here like this. I look through the kitchen. I can see my wife on the other side of the family room, see her sitting there reading. 
my mother-in-law lives with us now. My father-in-law passed away in May, so my mother-in-law's living with us now. She's in her room. My kids are at the gym. So everything's cool, normal night. Done studying. I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm going to watch some MMA because that's how I prepare to preach. I watch MMA. It's just we all have weird things. So I guess that's one of mine. I like to watch some good butt whooping before preaching. And so I'm looking, and there were some fights that were on. Um, Anderson Silva just fought this new guy that's coming in and destroying everybody. You guys remember that fight? He lost. Anderson, I knew he was going to lose, but anyways, he's too old to fight. So that's what I was looking for. So I looked for it. I found it on uh, like MMA Core or whatever. So I'm sitting there watching. And as I'm watching it, this pornography comes up on my screen. And it's the first time ever in this computer that pornography, like I hear people say, yeah, it just popped up on my screen. I'm usually like, sure it did. What sites were you on that it just... But it's just, I mean, I'm watching MMA. So I deliberately had to go and get the, the X and exit out. And as I exit out, all of a sudden another one pops up. So I deliberately had to get on, and I had to, you know, move the little cursor, put the X on it, exit out. It was done. Got off the MMA site. Said, okay, I need to go talk to my wife. Went in my wife. Said, hey, this is what happened, blah, blah, blah. But here's the thing. Many of us would do this. We would sit there. As this comes up on our screen, we're like, Lord, just give me the strength not to look at it. I don't want to look at it. God, just please make it go away. We're not deliberate. We don't deliberately take the action to stop what's going on. We're like, okay, we're going to pray you through. Okay, just take the action yourself. God's giving you the Holy Spirit. He's giving you the power. Deliberately make the decision to X out. If we struggle with alcohol and we have an addiction or our family has addictions, you know what? Don't stop at the bar to get an iced tea on the way home. We deliberately avoid that situation. If there's certain people that you know bring you down and get you to do stuff you know you shouldn't be doing, guess what? Don't answer the telephone call when they're coming and say, I'm going to pick you up in five minutes. Just deliberately avoid them. Stay away from them. Sometimes in Christianity, it's not that difficult. We make things difficult. And once again, we go back to that. We want to play as close as we can get to that fire. We want to be on that line instead of saying, you know what? I don't even want to enamor those things. I don't even want to be enamored by them. I want to stay away from those things because I want all that God has for me. So we take deliberate actions. We are deliberate about what we do. They're deliberate with our conversations. We're deliberate about the things we read, the things we look at. We need to become more deliberate. And as we're deliberate, we begin to grow and we get closer to God and our devotion changes where we're more devoted to God and as our devotion's devoted to God our direction changes our destiny changes and that takes us to the last point this morning let's go back to the whole text in Luke chapter 9 verse 23 through 25 it says then he said to them all if anyone desires to come after me let him deny himself take up his cross daily and follow me for whoever desires to save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? So why is it important that we wrestle with this idea of devotion one more time? Our devotion determines what? Our direction and our destiny. There's no other way to look at it. This is what's going to happen. Satan's competing for our soul. He wants us to be an eternity with hell in him. So there's this continual fight that goes on. There's this continual warfare. That's why we need to make deliberate actions. But it's interesting because anytime if you study, you look at men in the Bible, you look at men and women of God in society, anytime there's an incredible victory, there's always these distractions that come afterwards. You remember the prophet and he did this incredible feat and what does he do? He comes underneath a tree and he's crying and God just kill me, just strike me dead. What? Did you, did you do what you just did? And we see it happen time and time again. If you study history, you study men and women of God's life, it's the same thing. They have these incredible high spirits and all of a sudden there's all this distraction, there's all this attack from the enemy. It happened to Jesus Christ as well. It says in Luke chapter 4, verses 5 through 8, it says, Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment's time. He says, I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. Jesus replied, the scripture says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus was just fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. 
spending this time. Why? Because he wanted to say no to the, his flesh in order to say yes to God. He wanted to spend time with his heavenly father. That's why he dedicated his time, goes out. He's seeking God. He's spending time. He's deliberate about his actions. And as soon as he's done fasting, Satan comes, not some demon, not some man, but Satan himself appears and says, you know what? I want to give you these things. He brought a distraction into Jesus. Jesus refutes him, deliberately says no to these things, and says the word of God. He speaks the truth. Satan can't stand against the word of God. But think about it. This is Jesus. And Jesus himself was, because of his devotion, there was a distraction that came. And it was the devil himself. And this is what happens in our lives. We make this, this dedication. We say, you know what, we're going to be devoted. We're going to deny. I have this desire, God, this new desire to serve you. We start serving him. We're doing everything we can. And all of a sudden, there's all these attacks. And these distractions come. My father-in-law who passed in May is an incredible man of God. He's a, we're the third generation missionary. He's a second generation. My wife's side, there's five generations of, my wife's a fifth generation of ministers. They were living in, in Panama at the time. And for his 40-day fast, or I'm sorry, for his birthday, 40th birthday, he wanted to do a 40-day fast. And because he was well-known in Panama, he had connections. He decided to go to these places called the San Blas Islands. And they're little islands off the coast of Panama, and they're indigenous people that live there. But because of a connection of a connection, they got him in touch with this Indian chief of this particular island and said, you know, I want to go fast. Can I be on the island? It's uninhabited except for Indians. They're like, sure, you know, come. They set it up, went out in a boat. Okay, there's these little islands. There's not just one. There's several, a bunch of these little islands. So he's praying and fasting. He's deliberate in his actions. He denies himself. All he's drinking is coconut water while he's there. He gets the coconut machete, opens it, drinks the water. The Indians will come every once in a while to check on him. He makes this little thatched hut on the beach. So picture white beaches, blue ocean, fasting for 40 days. So he's like in day 20-something, 30, and he's sitting on the beach just looking out at the water like he did for the last 30 days, and he's dropped like 25 pounds, and he's got this beard now, and he's sitting there, and all of a sudden this huge yacht comes and just parks right off the coast. It's like from here to there away. And he's like, what in the world? I mean, of all places for these people to come, why are they blocking my view of the ocean, and they're, they're here? So he's like, okay, whatever. And so he's sitting there, he's still praying and stuff, and he's still sitting there doing his normal thing of the day, and all of a sudden... There's these naked women that come out and start sunbathing on the yacht. Okay, my father-in-law's been fasting for 20-some days. He's on an island because he didn't want to be distracted or see anybody except for Indians every once in a while. And all of a sudden, there's this yacht from Europe sitting on the coast, right? They picked this island. Of all the other islands to go to, they picked this, and there's these naked women sitting 40 feet out in front of them. Picks himself up, goes back into his, his little cabin, little hut there, starts praying Saying, God, this is crazy. This is ridiculous. See, the distractions came. Wouldn't it just like Satan, and of all times, to come on an island all alone? No one else is there. No one would know anything. He could have sat there all day and watched. He decided to get up and go back in the tent. See, distractions come. What are we going to do in our lives when these distractions come? Do we want the, the good or do we want the best? Because it's going to happen. It's inevitable. If we're a human being, Satan's going to send distractions. And if Satan doesn't send the distractions, we might just be tempted by our own flesh. But there's still distractions that come. So what are we going to do when these distractions come? Are we going to be deliberate about seeking God and moving forward with him? Because he's going to give us the power. It says no temptation has been given to man which man does not know. And when tempted, he gives us the ability to get out from underneath that temptation. He wants to give us the power. It says here in Philippians 2.13, for God is working in you. To what? Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Not what pleases us, that God is working in us. He's giving us that desire within our hearts. Why? What does it say? To please him. He's not just giving us the desire. The next line says he's giving us the power to do what pleases him. You see, God wants us to have victory. He's not setting us up for failure He's setting us overcome. He gives us the Holy Spirit to walk in power. The Holy Spirit isn't just given to us to evangelize as we're taught. Yes, he gives us that power to evangelize, but he gives us the power to be victorious. He gives us the power to be overcomers. God wants us to walk in victory, and he's given us the tools and means to do so if we will be deliberate and seek him out. 
You know, in 1996, December 28th, 1996, I married my wife in Panama. We went to Panama, we got married. And as many of you did, the exchange of vows, we exchanged wedding rings. And the wedding ring, you know, you've heard every story about the endless circle and infinity and all this stuff. But let's be simple. It is an outward symbol of my devotion to my wife, that I'm devoted to her. And everybody that sees your ring is going to know that. If you have a wedding ring, that's what it is. It's a covenant agreement. It's an outward symbol saying, I'm devoted. That This is the woman I'm going to be with the rest of my life. I'm making a covenant agreement. I'm going to be faithful to her. I'm going to help her. I'm going to encourage her. I'm going to be a helpmate. I'm going to help her become the woman that God's called her to be. And this is my representation of that devotion. And so when I'm in the gym, I never take it off. In the gym, I have it on. If I'm traveling, I have it on. And people will see it and say, oh, he's devoted to somebody. That might not be exactly what they say in their mind, but they look at the ring, and that's what it represents. It's outward. What would happen in our lives if we begin to put a ring on our finger for the things that we're devoted to that maybe people don't know around us? Maybe we like gossip, and we're devoted to gossip because there's this power that we have information, and we begin to share, and we get these rumors saying, and all of a sudden we realize we're really into this gossip and rumor starting and all that stuff because it gives us power. When we tell a little bit of something about somebody else that somebody doesn't know, it's, it's power. But we say, you know what, because we're devoted to that, I'm going to put that here on a ring on this finger. It's not just something inward now, it's going to be an outward where people see it. So now I have this gossip and now I have my wedding ring. Well, what if I'm addicted to drugs, pornography, alcohol, whatever? I have this addiction that people don't know about, but because I'm devoted to that thing, I'm going to put a ring on the finger now because it's a devotion and it's now going to be public where people can see it. Or what if I really struggle with pride and you have an issue with pride and you're like the furthest thing away from humility, and so we're going to put a ring on that because it's another real thing we have in our lives. What if we have a problem with stealing? We're like a kleptomaniac, and we're always taking things, and if there's you know, this or that, or there's ways to do it. We eat all the grapes on the line instead of weighing them out. You know, That's supposed to be funny. Whatever it is, stealing, we put another one on. There's some other devotion you have in your life that people don't know about, so you put another ring on your and There's another one that no one knows about, so you put that on. And all of a sudden, we get seven, eight, nine, ten rings on our fingers, and everybody sees them. They can see the wedding ring, but they see all these other rings does this wedding ring really have any significance now that I'm devoted equally to 9, 10, 11 things? And unfortunately, many of us walk through life like that. As we use the illustration with the, the lettuce and the donut, we just continue to add things. Yeah, we say we're devoted to Christ, but we just keep adding another thing and another thing and another thing. But as we go back to what we said in the very beginning, our devotion determines our direction and our destiny. So if we have all these things we're devoted to in our lives, are we truly devoted to Christ? Where is our direction? Is it going towards him? Is it straying one way? Is it veering off this way? Listen to this passage of scripture about Solomon. 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 4. It says, As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. Solomon, if we begin, went back when Solomon was younger. He's kneeling in the, in the temple. He's at the altar. His hands are raised to God, surrendering to God. That's the image of Solomon. God says, what do you want? I'll give you anything you want in the world. He says, I want wisdom to be able to govern your people better. It wasn't about him. It was doing what God wanted him to do. It was about being a servant in order to please him. And here at the end of his life, as Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God. And see, that's a challenge for us. That's a question we need to ask ourselves. Am I as fully devoted to God today as the, the day that I was when I first started serving him? Or am I as fully devoted to God as three years ago, four years ago, five years ago? Because it's a question we have to ask ourselves on a regular basis. We need to do a spiritual inventory of our lives and say, okay, where am I? Am I closer to God today, this year, 2019, than I was in 2018 at the same time? Or have I allowed these other things into my life and my devotion's not where it should be? Maybe I've been distracted by these things. Maybe I've been having trouble saying no to certain things. Maybe I really don't have a desire anymore. I started serving God, but the desire's gone. And I don't even know where it went. I don't remember it like just disappearing. I don't remember, but maybe it's like Solomon. It said, over time, these women turned his heart away from God. 
You, we, we don't start today. We don't get up in the morning and say, you know what, today's a good day to stop serving Jesus. I, mean, I don't think that's any of our uh, intentions. I don't think that's what goes through our mind. We get up in the morning, we go about our business, and these little things begin to happen. A fight here, an argument here, a disbelief here, a, a, a doubt gets planted in our seeds, our, our mind here. We see something here, a conversation there. Hurts begin to happen, disappointments. And all of a sudden, because our devotion determines our direction and destiny, all of a sudden we're walking here. Next thing you know, we're walking over this way instead of that way where we're supposed to be. And we don't even know why. It's because our devotion changed. But see, God's a God of U-turns. And any time we recognize, man, God, I'm off the path. I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I recognize today that I'm not devoted. There's not, that desire is not there anymore. We can go to Jesus and say, you know what? I need help. I can't do this on my own. I realize I need you. I need your strength. I need your power. I want to be devoted to you. And he meets us right where we are. And he gives us the strength. He gives us the power to get back on that right road. But it takes us acknowledging, man, I'm far from where I'm supposed to be. If you guys would do me a favor, just stand up for a moment. And ask one more favor. If you guys would just bow your heads with me, and we're going to close our eyes for a moment. And this isn't manipulation. This isn't anything. It's just a question that I want you guys to ask yourselves with your heads bowed and eyes closed. Have you lost that desire to be devoted to God? You might go through the routines, you come to church, you might tithe, you might be involved, but is that desire in your heart like you used to have to know God, to be with God, to be devoted to Him, is it still there? Do you love God today as much as the day you first committed your life to Him? With all heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask you to do a favor. We did this in the first service as well. If you say, you know what, my desires changed, my devotions changed, I know that the direction of my life has changed because of it, but I recognize that I want to get back where I'm supposed to be. I want to be walking right before God, and I want Him to stir up the desire in my heart again. If that's you today, and you say, you know what, I want to, I want to be devoted. I want to have that desire again. With all eyes closed, I just want you to raise your hand where you are, and we're going to pray as a, a body of Christ. I see your hand, I see your hand, I see your hand. I see your hands going up all, all over. This morning, there were 16 people that said, yes, that was me. It's the best decision in your life you'll ever make. You can put your hands down. Is there anybody here this morning who said, you know what, I don't really know Jesus Christ. I've never really given my life to him. I'm not sure I'm even saved or where I would go if I were to die you would say this morning, you know what, I want to, that desire to serve Jesus. I want to have my sins forgiven and be devoted to him. If that's you this morning, you say, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want you to raise your hand. It's not a recommitment. This is saying, yes, I need to know Jesus. I want to dedicate my life to him. Is there anybody? I see your hand over there. Anyone else? Praise God. I'm going to pray for you and your pastor is going to come up and close the service. Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that's moving in and through us. God, we thank you for the challenge of today or for stirring our hearts. Lord, that we would have a new passion for you, a new passion to know you. Lord, that desire would begin to grow deeper and deeper. And as that desire grows, Lord, we're going to be deliberate about our actions, our behavior. And Lord, as temptation comes, as the distractions come, we're going to be deliberate, Lord. We're going to make the decision to walk in obedience to you to do the right thing. I thank you that your Holy Spirit's being released upon us today. You're giving us the strength to walk forward in victory, that we are overcomers, that we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. Lord, I speak blessings over each person here. Continue to reveal yourself in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.